Well, can you take some more tonight? You're already in John. That's a good place to start. Go to John 5. John 5. I was here last year, right? I remember what I preached here last year. (laughs) Who's your daddy? That's right. Who's who's your daddy? (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) My daddy's God. (laughs) That's who my daddy is. (laughs) Well, I got another one for you tonight. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Title of our message tonight, unless the Lord says something different. He's the boss, you know. Is uh give me a break. Give me a break. You ready to see how we can get to there? John chapter five. Give me a break. First verse. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting. Somebody say waiting. Waiting. Say it again, waiting. Waiting. What were they doing? There was a lot of people out there. Multitude means a lot of people. At least hundreds Probably thousands. And what are they all doing? And then they come out tomorrow and what do they do? And every day there's hordes of people out there under these porches. Say it again. Tell me what they're doing. They're waiting for the moving of the water. Now, as you go into this, you see God was doing a special thing here with the troubling of the water. And God does special things. He does, uh, you know, like is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and of the gifts of the Spirit, working of miracles, special faith, gifts of healings. You know, the Bible's talked about Paul said God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God does special things. He's the head of the church. He don't have to ask you. He don't have to ask me. He can do something special. But we need to understand the purpose of these signs and wonders, these special things. They happen for a few people. They don't happen for everybody. And yet, everybody can get similar results with faith. Have you read this chapter? Let's finish reading it. You'll see what I'm talking about. An angel, they were all waiting there for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. How many got healed? One. How many is there? A lot of people. At least hundreds, maybe thousands. How many get healed? See, this is a special thing God is doing. Now, these people have lost sight of the reality that they all have a covenant of healing with God. He revealed himself to his people many years ago as Jehovah Rapha. 
didn't he? I am the Lord that heals you. I forgive you of all your iniquities. I heal you of all your diseases. But they had lost that. It hadn't been preached. They had lost it. And most of the people acted like they had no healer. And God loves his people so much and it grieves him to see his people suffer. He will move in special ways to restore truths to the church. He will do special miracles as a sign. What do signs do? Sign, yeah, they attract you. What else do they do? They direct you. A sign points you to something. What do wonders do? They get your attention. And they, yeah, somebody say, they put you in awe. They make you wonder. They get you thinking. What was the purpose of an angel coming down and stirring the wall? I don't know if he stuck his foot in there. I don't know if he reached down. But when he did, there was healing for a brief moment. And the first person that jumped in, you know, got healed. And all these folk are laying around like turtles around the pond here in Alabama. (laughs) Aren't they? They're all around this, every square inch that they can cram in there. Now, you know something has to be happening around there sometimes. All these people wouldn't come every day and lay out there in the hot sun, right? But is everybody getting healed? No. Why? Because this is not a faith thing. This is a sign thing. But what they don't know is all of them could be healed by faith. Now that's another message, but I want you to notice this. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Now in that case is how long he had been sick with this problem. How long? 38 years. That's half a lifetime. I mean, that's 38 years. And uh, he had not only been a long time in that case, implication is that he's been coming here a long time in that case, in this situation. And if you read the rest of the story, you get that idea. No telling how long, maybe years, he's been coming to these pools, laying around, waiting for the moving of the water. How long had he been like this? Help me again. 38 years. And everybody comes, and what are they doing around the pools? They're waiting. Waiting. Now look. Jesus saw him lying, knew he'd been a long time in that case. He said to him, will you be made whole? That might seem like an unnecessary question. Why are all these people out here? They want to get healed. Jesus walks up. Sick people everywhere. He sees this man. He says, will you be made whole? And listen to what the man says. He said, the impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man. Is that what he asked him? Did he ask him if he had anybody? 
What did he ask him? Will you be made whole? And what did the man begin to say? He began to sing the blues. Ain't got nobody to help me in. Ain't got nobody. I need a friend. Ain't got nobody. I need some help. Ain't got nobody. Give me a break. I need a break. If I could just catch a break. If I could get somebody to help me out. Now this will preach in some churches. But this ain't what Jesus said. This is what the man said. Who's been waiting for 38 years and still sick. Singing the blues is not faith. You can sing the blues for 38 years and be further from your healing than when you started. What did he say? Jesus said, boy, you want to be healed? He said, I ain't got nobody. I can't catch a break, man. (laughs) Come on, keep reading it. Keep reading it. I'm not making this up. He said, I I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I'm coming, somebody else (laughs) always gets in. I need a break. If somebody could just <laughs> give me a break. It's all I need. If somebody give me a chance. Nobody ever gave me a break. That's all I need is a chance. Let me read this to you from the Living Bible. Jesus said, will you be made whole? Anybody know what the correct response to that question should have been? (laughs) The head of the church, the master, the miracle maker asks you, will you be made whole? You ought not blink your eyes. You ought to go, yes, yes, and thank you, yes. But what does he say? (laughs) Ain't got nobody. (laughs) Listen what the living Bible says. Living Bible said, the man said, I can't. I can't, the sick man said. For I have no one to help me into the pool at the movement of the water. While I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Now, I don't just want you to hear the words, and I don't just want you to hear the humor. This man is serious, isn't he? But what kind of spirit is this what kind of mentality what kind of condition of heart soul and mind is he in can't catch a break 
How long has he been doing this? He'd been sick for 38 years. He may have been doing this pole thing for years. And what kind of mentality is he? I can't get ahead for trying. I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> right? I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Listen to the easy to read translation. The sick man said, Sir. There's no one to help me get into the water when it starts moving. I try to be the first one in the water. But when I try, somebody else always goes in before I can. Do you hear this word, try? I try. I try. Now, you know, some of you modern translations, which are actually not translations, they're paraphrases. And a lot of folk don't understand the difference, but a paraphrase is not a translation. The translators are taking too much liberty. And a bunch of the modern translations, you'll, if you've read them, they'll say, try to do this. Try to do that. Do your best. The Lord never told you one time to try anything. The Lord never, ever told you to do your best. At anything and trying to do it. Never. That's not translation. It's not the Bible. It's somebody getting too loose with the scripture. I say, why do you say that? Because if the Lord said, try, honey, do your best, what does that imply? It implies maybe you can, maybe you can't, and implies he don't know whether you can or not. He knows whether you can or not. And before he told you to do it, he knew you could do it. That's why he told you to do it. We need to get this out of our vocabulary. Trying to do it. If the Lord tells you to do something, by faith you do it. I said by faith you do it. And you don't let things move you. I don't care if the Lord says go through this place, go through this door. I don't care if there's five guards on the door and it's bolted and locked. You stand there and believe God till you get through. Too many people are too moved by what happens out here. The Lord tells them to do something. And they encounter some challenge and difficulty. And they come back and say, well, I tried, but... You know, it must not be the Lord's will. I did what I could. I just, I need a break. And I wish I could get somebody that would give me a chance. If I could get somebody to help me. Because you know, I never had a chance growing up. Nobody ever would give me an opportunity and I need somebody. (laughs) I need a break. If you could just give me a break. Well, this mentality is pervasive. A lot of people in all different walks of life have varying versions of the same song. Hmm? Whether they call it or not, they're singing the blues. I'm trying. I just can't get ahead. 
You know, gas has got so high. <laughs> gas. It's hard. Have you heard that one? Yeah. It's hard. I'm trying. And then it don't help that a lot of people listen to music. That 24-7, I'm doing my best. I'm a working man trying to make a living. It's hard. Show hard, man. It's hard. I need a break. That is the world. That is exactly the same as the unsaved world. You and I are supposed to be different. We're supposed to think different. We're supposed to talk different. We're supposed to sing and listen to different songs. The complete English version said, the man said, Lord, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. I try to get in, but someone else always gets there first. And you know, half the church will join in and go, mm-mm. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard old way. And we're just all doing our best. And that's all you can do. <laughs> it's try. That's our... We need a break if we could just <laughs> catch a break. If we could get somebody that would give me the time of day and see what kind of potential is here <laughs> and just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. <laughs> there is a giant, huge problem with that. I said, what? You got your eyes on men. You are looking to them for your salvation and your deliverance. And as a result, you are cursed. I said, cursed? Yes. If you look to men for your deliverance, you're cursed. Selah. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Hold your place there in John. We're not through with him. He's singing the blues right now. But it's possible to change your tune. Jeremiah. I think it's the 17th chapter. Jeremiah 17. Verse 5. 17.5. What does it say? Thus saith the Lord. What? Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. You can't serve two masters. You can't have two providers. The Lord gave me this phrase decades ago and it's helped me through many things to keep things sorted, keep my eyes in the right direction. He said this to me, son, faith puts no pressure on people. Faith puts no pressure on people. Say that out loud with me. Faith puts no pressure 
own people. Now, friend, there's a lot of people pressuring each other, including in the church, including Christians. Pressure, pressure. Preachers pressure the people about giving. People pressure each other. Husbands pressure wives. Wives pressure husbands about what they want. Honey, when can I get my bass boat? Well, baby, when can I get my new furniture you promised? Both of them got a curse on them. So what do you mean? Because you think she's your source. You think it's up to her whether you can have that bass boat or not. You think he's your source. You think it's up to him. He's your provider. It's up to him whether you can get that furniture or not. You got a curse on you. Why are you pulling on them? I don't guess I'll forget years ago, we are riding the airlines. Thank God for them. We need to pray for them. They need help. And, uh, man, it was a madhouse. A bunch of uh, flights had been canceled, and a bunch of people were stuck in the terminal. I was supposed to preach that night several states away, and it was not looking good. And the place was jam-packed, elbow to elbow. People were hot. They were miserable. They were unhappy. And all folk were jumping on these ladies and men behind the counter. They were chewing on them and cussing and calling names. I paid good money, and I'm going to have this flight, you know, just railing on them. Well, Phyllis and I were standing there in this long, long, long line and with our little bags, and, and so... The moment we heard that things weren't going right, we joined hands and got in faith. We've already prayed about this. This is the Lord's business. Right? He cares about whether I'm there or not to preach and do what he told me to do. And and he is well able to work this thing out. He is well able if, if we'll cooperate with him and stay in faith and not get in the flesh. And not getting fear, not getting unbelief. So we're we're in faith. We reaffirmed what we had prayed, asked the Lord for mercy, asked him for grace, asked him for favor. Now you know, there's a number of so many times that Christians have asked the Lord for favor, and he started working on people days, weeks, months before you were ever gonna meet them, and he's lining it up. And he had it all set up for you for favor and grace. And people get there and show up and act like a heathen. And mess it all up. Because people are human. The people you're supposed to have favor with, God could be inclining their heart towards you. And they don't even know why. They just like you and want to do something for you and got no good reason for it. And then you show up and treat them like dirt and talk bad to them. They say, hey, forget you. Forget that. They don't have to. They can change like that. And when you change, you're blocking God. You're getting in his way. You're messing up what he set up for you. And so we're standing in line, and I mean, these people are just treating these, this was a lady behind our counter, and I mean, they're cussing her, they're calling her names, they're treating her like nobody should be treated. Ugly, ugly, ugly. 
I was with a preacher traveling some years ago, and, and we were in a similar situation, and he barked at this woman behind the counter, and I kind of backed off, and, and he looked at me, and I guess he could tell I wasn't so impressed with that. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, uh, that's just my prophetic anointing. It just comes out like that sometimes. Uh, it's called flesh. It ain't got nothing to do with God. Flesh. Don't you try to spiritualize that. Justify that. Well, these people are jumping on this lady, and eventually we moved up... Excuse me, I'm getting two situations mixed up. The, we had several <laughs> encounters to believe God. Oh, yeah. Thank God for private travel. It's a whole nother world. And um, this particular time, it was a guy. It was a guy behind the counter. And, man, they were jumping on him. And when we got to the, our time, I looked at him, and his eyes were bloodshot. And he looked like that poster I saw one time of that lady that her hair was sticking up all over the place and her eyes were bloodshot. And the caption said, I got one nerve left and you're on it. He looked like that. <laughs> so we walked up and we said to him, uh, we're sorry that you're having to deal with all this. And uh, I know this is not your fault. He said, well, what's your situation? I said, well, this is it. He said, well, everything is overbooked, and, and it's all canceled, and, and it's not our fault, and there's nothing can be done. There are no flights. And, and we said, we understand. We understand. Just, you know, see what you can do. He said, well, I, there's nothing we can do. Um, and we said, we understand. Okay. Now, let's just stop right here. If I ride him, if I push him, if I demand from him, why am I doing that? Because I'm looking to him to fix my problems and make it work. Which means I am not looking to God. I am not in faith. Nor am I walking in love. And faith works by love. So I'm not even in a situation where God can help me. I'm violating the two most important things in the whole new covenant, faith and love. But if I'm looking to God to take care of me, I am not looking to this man. And even if he tells me no way, no how, I don't settle that it can't be. (laughs) I'll ask somebody else. I'll look somewhere else because I know there's an answer here somewhere. And so he said, there's no way, there's nothing can be done. So he starts typing, you know, and I don't know how they can click so much on that computer, but click, 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 click. He said, well, okay, click, 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 click. He said, hmm, that's interesting. Click, 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 click. Hmm. Click, 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 click. Finally, he looked around. I don't mean this place is packed. We are jammed by elbow to elbow, sweating. Just a terrible situation. And he looked at us. He said. Where's your bags? Uh We said, right here. Uh He said, shh, follow me. (laughs) He puts up this clothes deal. And he takes off with it. And I'm telling you the looks we got from that crowd. Oh, man. People were looking like, what did you do? You slipped him some money, didn't you? What did you do? What did you? Oh, anger. I mean, we wanted to get out of there quick. And... (laughs) 
And we followed him. He took us through doors that said authorized personnel only. He took us through places that said no entry. He took us through. I mean, we don't know where we're going. We're just traveling our little bags. And we finally get to this place. And he leads us right on a plane that's uh, ready to depart. And he seats us in first class. We weren't. We didn't buy first class. And he smiled and looked at us. He said, I think you'll be there almost the same time that you would have been. We said, thank you. Thank you so much. And he said, there, he said, you know that person in front of you that chewed me out? He said, they didn't know it, but I could help them or I could hurt them. <laughs> we said, well, thank you for helping us. He said, you're most welcome. And he turned around and walked out. <laughs> Glory to God. But we treated him like a human being. And we didn't jump on him because we were in fear. Come on, Nessie. That's what people get in fear and they start pushing other people and pressuring them. You gotta do this. You gotta help me. You gotta fix this. Means you're not in faith. You have made flesh your arm. You are relying on them, looking to them, pulling on them, pressuring them, and you're cursed. Do you see this verse now? Look at it again, verse 5. Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. Look at verse 7 though, verse 7. Verse 7 says what? Blessed is the man. How many want to get the curse off of you and get the blessing on you? Get the enablement to prosper and succeed on you? Blessed is the man that does what? Trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. The word hope is the word for expect. Who are you expecting to fix this thing for you? Who are you looking to to make this work out? Somebody say, not man. Not not, I'm not looking at men. Anytime you see yourself looking at people go, oh, come on now, you got to buy this. I need to make a sale today. You got to give me this raise. I got three kids to feed. I need this raise. You got to give me this raise. No, they don't. They don't ever have to give you a raise. And you could be prosperous beyond your wildest imagination and never get a raise. God has many channels. Many channels. Your little job is just one of many, 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 many. But it takes faith to get your eyes off of men and women. It takes faith to get your eyes off of men, off of women, off the boss, off your supervisor, off your job, off the government. Come on now. Who? Who can meet your needs, all your needs, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? I don't have anybody, the man said. That's the language of an unbeliever because a believer does have somebody. Go back to John there. Go back to John, please. 
Without turning there, while you're going to John 5, I'll read this to you from Genesis 42.36. Don't turn there. You can jot it down if you're taking notes. Genesis 42.36. This is what Jacob said when uh, Benjamin was held by Joseph. They came back and they told him what had happened. And he said, you've bereaved me of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. You're going to take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. The NIV says everything is against me. Another one says everything's going against me. The complete Jewish Bible said, it all falls on me. It all falls on me. And the Holman translation said, everything happens to me. (laughs) Is he singing the blues? Same song, different verse. Why does it always happen to me? You see, people in the world saying this all over the place, and they don't see any significance to it, and they don't realize that this is why it all happens to you, because you say it all happens to you, you believe it all happens to you, you are a trouble magnet. Is it true or not that death and life is in the power of the tongue? Is it true or not? Is it true that if you say something with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you will have what you say? It works just as powerfully negatively as it does positively. And if you've been saying for 30 years, I can't catch a break. Nobody will help me. Come on, now this man is saying that I ain't got nobody. Nobody help me. I try. (laughs) But every time I do, somebody beats me. How long has he been sick? Come on, tell me again. 38 years. And all he is is sunburn. (laughs) And calluses on his knees. From laying out there by the pool and scrambling when the water troubles. But somebody else always beats him. He can't catch a break. Friend, people don't understand that by your words you're justified. By your own words you are condemned. And Jesus is the apostle and high priest Of what you say. What comes out of your mouth. Words of faith. Give God an open door. An opportunity. And a right. To move in your life. Words of fear and unbelief. Open the door for the devil. To move in your life. Gives him a right. To destroy. Oh friend. If we understood this. We would treat phrases like everything's against me. We would treat it like the most foul cussing. We wouldn't find it in our mouth. We'd rather somebody slap us down than say such a thing out of our lips. There's some things you just, people are not be able to make you say. They couldn't twist your arm enough. 
Right? They couldn't put enough pressure on you. The Lord dealt with me a number of years ago about this thing. He said, Keith, you're you're praying and you're asking me to increase the anointing on your life, to increase the power. He said, that includes your words. You are believing me because this is my uh, call is to stand up and speak words. Do I want these words to be weak and ineffective? And empty and dull and dead. What do I as a minister. As you, any of you has met. What do I want these. I want these words to carry weight. I want them to carry power. I want them to come and knock the devil off of people. And knock lies and deception right out of their souls and their minds. And he said this Keith. If you'll become more selective in what you say. You'll become more effective. If you'll become more selective in what you say. He also said it to me about prayer. He said, don't just say everything. He said, treat your mouth like this. What if everything you said happened? Because that's God. Isn't it? Everything he says happens 100% of the time. Come on, did you hear that now? Everything God says happens completely every time. What if he just made exclamations? What if he said, that burns me? What if he said, I ain't taking that anymore? I'm not putting up with that. I'm telling the world to be wiped out. Can he just say stuff? Can he just talk? Can he just vent? (laughs) Well, the Bible tells you and me that we are to be imitators of God as dear children. This is what we're called to. And the reason so many people's words are so empty and weak it's because they just run their mouth. They just say whatever crosses their mind. They just say whatever they feel like. And so their words are powerless and empty except against them. That's the only way their words are working is against them. What if you never said anything except the anointing is on me to prosper? Everything I put my hand to goes. <laughs> Everything. I have such tremendous favor with God and man. Hmm? He is ordering my steps. He is directing my paths. I'm his sheep and I know his voice. And a stranger's voice I will not follow. I have an unction anointing of the Holy One. And I know everything that I need to know. And I will do the right thing. And I'm always at the right place. At the right time. Every one of my needs are met. Always met. I live in abundance. I will not lack as long as I live. I will always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. Wealth and riches will be in my house. 
How many know this is radically different from I can't catch a break? I ain't got nobody. Nobody will take a chance on me. Nobody will help me. Listen to how Jesus responded to this. And remember, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he told this man, he would tell anybody singing the blues today exactly the same thing. In fact, this word does tell us. John 5. Is that where you went? Good. John 5. The man said, I have no man. Ain't got nobody. When the water's troubled to put me into the pool. While I'm coming, somebody else gets in there before me. You got Christians. I can hear it now. I've had people tell me that. Listen, that's the story of my life, man. (laughs) Story of my life. I thought I was going to get to play on the team and that other guy got it. You know? I thought I was going to get to do this with mom and them, and my brother got to do it, and my sister got to do it. I thought this. I thought they'd let me work at the Sunday school, and they choose that other guy, you know. And I thought, I mean, I just can't catch a break. I, I have no man. I don't have anybody. Verse 8, Jesus looked at him and said, get up. The easy to read says, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. The Weiss translation says, snatch up your pallet and start walking and keep on walking. (laughs) Now, he's not responding to what the man said. And how many preachers do people a terrible disservice in their phony compassion, trained by religious tradition, I ain't got nobody. I'm trying. They go, I know you are. I know you are. I know you're trying. We all trying. I'm trying. All you can do is what you can do. And then have them sing the special. I'm coming up. On the rough side of the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it in. I may not make it, but (laughs) now you know we're laughing at ourselves. Did you know this? Because we all have sung some version of this somewhere, sometime, right? Let me give you. Some of the best advice you will ever get in life. Are you ready? And that's a big statement. Isn't it? That's a big statement. I say it boldly. Some of the best advice you will ever get in life. Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you with me? Here you go. Here you go. Never, ever, ever 
under any circumstances, for any reason, with anybody, anywhere, at any time, never, 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 ever, never, are you with me? Never, not on a Monday, not a Tuesday, not a Wednesday afternoon, not when you're 30, not when you're 85, not when you're 13, never, no matter what happens, how bad it is, never, never feel sorry for yourself. What are you saying, Brother Keith? It is a path to darkness. I'm telling you, it's like throwing both doors open and inviting the devil into your house and into your life. I'm telling you, the more you... Oh, it seems innocent enough. Close the blinds. Get you a cool cloth. Lay down. Put it on your head. I can't talk right now. I just don't understand. After everything I did for them, after everything we've been through, why didn't they do that for me? I can't understand. You're feeling sorry for yourself. And there can no good come out of it because in the same time you're doing this, though you're not acknowledging, you are being unthankful. You cannot feel sorry for yourself without being unthankful. Being unthankful is being proud. I know you may not see all this just because I said it. These are whole seminars of thought that I'm giving you in a phrase here. If you feel like somebody owes you something, we're right back to where we started, aren't we? What are you? You're looking to them. They should have done this for me. They ought to do this for me. They ought to give me a break. They ought to help me. Then you're not looking to the Lord. Flesh is your arm. You're relying on that and there's a curse in it. And it's dark. And the more you push people and the more you pull on them, the less they want to do for you. Come on. How well do you respond to people telling you how much you owe them? How do you like that? People pulling on you, pressuring you. Hmm? Does it make you want to do more for them? What does it make you want? Makes you want to run. Makes you want to go away. Makes you want to get out. True or not? Why? Unthankful. Unthankful. Tell me out loud again. Faith puts no pressure on people. Say it again. Faith Faith puts no pressure pressure on people. people. Can you get your new curtains without bugging your husband? Can you get your new dining set? Bedroom set? New house? Without pulling on anybody Pushing, pressuring, bugging anybody. Come on, can you do it? Why? Because you do have somebody. I ain't got no man. You do have a man. You got the man. The man. The man. 
There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man. The man. Christ Jesus. Ah, You don't need a man when you got the man. Hey. Hey. The man. Come on, now think about it. Jesus looks at this man. Been waiting. Singing the blues. Feeling sorry for himself. 38 years. Jesus looks at him and says, will you be made holy? He's talking about right now. But this man's been chasing for 38 years. Will you be made whole right now? And he looks at him and says, I ain't got a man. I ain't got no man. He's looking at the man. He's looking at the man. And he wants to tell the man how he can't catch a break and how he hadn't got a man and he he needs somebody. Who does he think he's looking at? Oh, man, the man. (laughs) He's looking at the man. The man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Say it out loud. I don't need no man. I got the man. (laughs) I I got the man. Friend, this delivers you. This makes you free. From what? It makes you free from being under anybody or dependent upon anybody. Come on, come on. It makes you free. The psalmist said, I've been young and now I've been old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. See, this stuff makes beggars out of people. This I can't catch a break. I need help. You got to go to somebody and poor mouth and I need help. Oh, if you could just help me. If you could just help me to the first of the month. If, you, if y'all could just help me. If you could just give me some. And in desperation. In fear. How many understand what that is? Tell me what that is. It's begging. I said it's begging. Oh, I wouldn't stoop to begging. That's what it is. You ain't got to be on a knee to beg. Oh, please. <laughs> you got to help me. You got to help me. We're friends. Yeah, you owe me. You owe me. We've been through stuff. Now let's just stop right here. If they owe you, then what you did for them was not a gift and was not a seed. And you want your payment. You want your repayment. If you gave it to them, if you sold it to them, they owe you nothing because it wasn't a loan. It was a gift. 
If you come back later pulling and asking for anything as repayment, then you're saying it wasn't a seed. I didn't give it to you. It wasn't a free gift. And some people have actually dug up their seed that they had rightfully planted and destroyed harvest that they were supposed to get in the future. Sad. Serious. He was looking at the man. He shouldn't have been talking about, I need somebody, I can't catch a break. What did the man tell him? Get up. Yeah, but he can't. He can't. That's why he's there. 38 years. Impotent means no strength. You look it up, it means infirm, weak, no strength. He has no strength in part of his body or all of his body. He can't. Jesus says, get up. Let me read this to you again from the, uh, the Weiss translation. He said, snatch up your pallet. Now, we understand that in Alabama. Come on, right? And Mississippi next. Snatch pallet. Pallet. We know what a pallet is. Snatch up your pallet, boy, and start walking and keep on walking. Come on, and immediately the man became well, and he snatched up his pallet, and he went to walking about. How many know he had to quit singing the blues, he had to quit feeling sorry for himself, he had to quit making excuses and get his eyes off of everybody that wasn't helping him and look at the man that was talking to him and step out by faith. And a miracle that nobody, nothing could do for 38 years happened in a moment of time. And tomorrow, he is not at the pool. The next day, this man is not at the pool. Oh, that could be a follow-up right there. Woo! This man is not at the pool. Somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Oh, lift up your hands. Thank Him. Glory Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we worship you. 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 Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Luke 12. Psalm 75 says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or from the south. Where does it come from? The Lord. The Lord. And the thing that came up in my heart about this, people say, I don't have anybody. I need help, need somebody to help me out. No, you don't need to chase people and beg them. That's demeaning, isn't it? For us to beg each other is acting like God's not as big as we say he is. 
If God is as big as we say he is, and how many know he's bigger than we know how to say he is? If he really is that big and that good and that able to provide and take care of us, why would we ever need to beg anybody for anything? Now, God's going to use people to minister to us, but we're not to look to them and don't ever let your eyes get on somebody because they may not be the ones at all that God's going to use to minister. Forget about it. Get your eyes off of them. Don't say, well, God, they got money. Deal with them. That is none of your business. That's nothing to you. And it's wrong. You trying to pray that they would do that amounts to spiritual manipulation, which is witchcraft. That's none of your business. You say, God, use whoever you want, wherever you want. That's none of my business. My job is to look at you. Keep my eyes on you. He's going to use people to do things, but he'll surprise you. In that. How many have seen he'll surprise you in that department again and again? Preacher friend of mine some years ago, a single mom and her daughter was in his church, and they were having hard times financially, and she was, the daughter was grown young lady and was wanting to get married, no dad in the home, no money, and the pastor felt impressed that he was to help pay for the wedding. And help them to have a nice wedding. And so he did. And it went well and it was lovely. Well, several uh, weeks passed. And, uh, well, not weeks, months. And this lady comes to the church says she won't speak to the pastor. And uh, he was able to see her. And, and she came in, handed him a check for $50,000. Made out to him personally. He, he was shocked. He'd been helping them pay their light bill. And, you know, groceries. And, and he said, what is this? She said, I've been believing for this for some time. She said, that's just for you personally. And she said, I'll have my $300,000 tithe Sunday morning. He about fell off his chair. Because that's exactly what they needed. They'd been believing for that. They needed that 300 grand in the church. But he would have never thought in a million years that this lady is going to come walking up with it. And that gives glory to God. That's God saying, I can do it. How many of God has got contacts? He, he can move money and not pick up the phone. He, he's got contacts contacts but it's none of your business it's none of your none of your business who he's going to use and what he's going to do you look to him you got your eyes on him you're looking to him now people say I need a break if somebody would just help me and they got their eyes on people you do not need that What you need is faith in God and faithfulness. This is what determines whether you get promoted or not. Not pulling on people. Not asking for favors. Somebody said out loud, faith Faith in God. God. And what? Now I'm going to say this too. Faithfulness is... In the small thing. Oh, this is huge. 
Where does promotion come from? Come on, help me out. Where does promotion come from? Not from men. It comes from God. On what basis does he promote? Faithfulness. Does God know everything? Are his eyes searching to and fro through all the whole earth? Is he scanning the planet every millisecond? Does he know everybody and what they're doing and what they're intending to do and their heart? Does he know? He knows your thoughts are far off. Is it in his power to raise up, to prosper, to promote? Upon what basis? Tell me again. Does he do it? Faithfulness. So instead of running around trying to find somebody that will give you a break and give you a helping hand, what do you need to be doing? You need to be with your eyes on God knowing he already sees everything you're doing and he's watching you to see if he can promote you. Right? And the thing that's determining that is what you're doing with what you have right now. God is wise. He's not going to give $20 million to somebody he can't trust with 20. Somebody that won't obey him with $200, he's not going to give them 20 million. And you don't need a break. You need to be faithful. (laughs) Well, are you in Luke 12? Luke 12. Who's your source? Help me out. Huh? You got your eyes on anybody? Nope. 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 We had somebody one time talked about sowing us a huge amount of money, and they could have done it. And uh, one of their representatives said, well, don't you know these people could solve all your problems? And don't you know you need them? They can fix you for life. Oh, that was the wrong thing to say to me. <laughs> well, they can fix you for life. Yeah, and you don't know how big my vision is. How big you think you are. You assuming a lot, ain't you? <laughs> no, no man will ever be my source. I will not limit myself and I won't demean myself to be a beggar. I don't have, if God told me to, it'd be a different story. He didn't tell me to. He told me not to. He told me not to look at man and pull on man. So I don't have to beg anybody. I don't have to beg my church. I don't have to beg my partners. I don't have to beg rich people. I don't have to beg anybody. It's not a matter of pride. It's a matter of freedom. I got the man. You're at the top. Who else you going to get? Who else do you need? I said, hey, you know, God does you to do something. Obey God. That's between you and him. They looked at me like you ain't going to court us. No. Had a lady one time say, we're going to sow this huge amount of money. And I said, okay. And they said, you don't look very excited. I said, I've heard a lot of stuff. (laughs) You know, that was seven years ago. She ain't sent it yet. But you know what? It didn't diminish my excitement at all because my faith never was in her. I said my faith never was in her. That's why I didn't do backflips when she told me a little something. 
Come on now. But I'm more excited about where I'm going than ever before because God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above what I've asked or thought. And if one person don't do what he tells them to do, he'll raise up three more. They'll get their blessing. Another pastor friend of mine some years ago, man, the strongest man in his church financially, rich man. And his extended family worked out to about, I don't know, four families, quite a few people. He came in and told the pastor, he said, this stuff you're teaching now, I can't go with. And if you keep teaching this, I'm pulling my people and my money out. He said, well, he said, I, I can't let you tell me what to preach. He said, well, I'm sorry, but we're gone then. And guy left walking across, and he knew he meant it. And this guy's biggest giver by far, especially all his extended families together, biggest givers by far. And he, as a guy's walking across, he said, Lord, there goes the biggest giver in my church. So the Lord spoke to him and said, no, I'm still here. <laughs> he said it wasn't six months the Lord brought three in just as strong as this guy was but what if he'd got his eyes on this guy and started kowtowing and going well I'm sorry I didn't want to offend you and, and we can back off on this and not Make as big of a deal. It's really not necessary. We don't want to offend anybody. You're talking offend, but it's you that's afraid the money's going away. Yeah. <sighs> Say it out loud. I'm not a beggar. I'm, not I'm a believer. Luke 12. Luke 12. 32. He said, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Does he want you to have it? Everything your little heart desires. And then much, much more. Does he want you to have it? Is it his will? It is his will. Verse 42. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing of a truth, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. Thank you, Lord. If you put this with other passages like in Matthew, it includes this verse with it, to him that hath shall more be given. Matthew 24 and also the 25th chapter talks about it. Luke, other places. To him that hath shall more be given and he shall have abundance. But to him that hath not will be taken away even what he had. And if you read Matthew 24 with this whole passage, you'll see he was talking. Remember, he gave two different ones their talents. What he gave to one, what? Five and one, two. And one man, one. And in the end, they took away the one that the man had hid in the ground and gave it to the man that had ten. And it alarmed the whole crowd that Jesus was speaking to. They all said out loud, Lord, he already has ten. Didn't sound fair to them. Well, the rich just keep getting richer. And the poor just keep getting poorer. 
And a working man, a poor man, just can't get your break. <laughs> you need somebody. <laughs> Jesus said, to him that has shall more be given. Now you going to tell him that ain't fair? You're going to tell the head of the church. He needs to share the wealth. No. Why? Because the man was faithful with the five. That's right. <laughs> I said the wrong thing there, didn't I? Somebody thought, ooh, I didn't like that. <laughs> did, did we lose it? We come this far? Somebody got political on me. I sensed it. But the, who's he talking about? I ain't called nobody's name, okay? <laughs> ain't called nobody's name. Ain't talking about no debate or no election. <laughs> Nothing. I did quote the Bible. There you go. I said I quoted the Bible. Let me talk about it since you brought it up. <laughs> Do you know? Neither one of these men are going to save us. Come on now. I don't care who gets in. They're not going to save us. They cannot fix everything. They are not the Lord. And there's no need for us to get hyped up over needing a man. We have already found the man. I'm going to prosper no matter who gets in. Now you can say what you want to say, but I believe that what I say has power and makes a difference in my life. <laughs> if you say, man, if we don't get the right people in, we're going to all go down. We need a man. Yep, pray. Believe God. Vote. But understand, all that put together makes about this much difference in the whole plan of God. How many understand the Almighty is sitting on the throne? How long has He been there? How many elections has He seen? Come on, help me out. How, How many elections... Has God seen? He has seen them come and he has seen them go. And his word is still preeminent. And the whole heaven and earth will pass away. And his word will still be forever perfect and unchanged. So what if your life is built on that word and your eyes are on that one night and day, then no matter what comes and what goes, you will be sustained. No matter who comes and who goes, your needs will be met. I don't care if he has to have the ravens to fly it into you morning, noon, and I don't care if he has to have a little dog bring it in a paper bag and sit it on your porch. <laughs> we serve a God. We have found the man. That's right. 
Luke 16. Don't put your hopes in man. Don't base all your future success on a man or women or men. Don't do it. Thank God for them. Pray for them. Love them. But if they all go away, I'm still going to make it. What the psalmist say, even when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord shall take me up. Now, that's pretty bad when even your own folks. <laughs> right? I mean, when mom and daddy ain't got nothing for you no more. <laughs> Listen, friend, on this note also, about your mouth. Watch your mouth. Never say, I couldn't live without them. Never say, I just don't know how I'd make it without my baby. I just don't think I could live. I don't think I could go on. I don't think I'd want to. Do not say such words. Death is a part of this life. It's a common part. It's something people act like they're going to come and clean the house and go to work. They act like they're going to do this forever. You're going to do it about this much longer. And you're out of here. All of us are here for a vapor period of time. Just poof, you're here, you're gone. If you could back off about where the moon is and see in the spirit, millions of people are leaving this planet right now. It's like an airport. Arrivals and departures. Arrivals or births. People are being birthed all over the planet by the millions right now. And people are leaving this place. By the way, you see people, their dog dies. And thank God for a good dog. But you see people, their dog die, and they're incapacitated for two years. <laughs> you think I'm joking? The cat dies, and they just can't face the public. They can't go out for six months because fuzzy, fuzzy was everything. And there's a lot of people, they love fuzzy more than they love their kin folks. Man, they'd trade a half dozen of their kin folks for fuzzy. Am I lying? Am I exaggerating? You know it's the truth. And people are just incapacitated. <laughs> or when, or even somebody, a human that you love, that's a real friend, you know, yeah, you're going to miss them. But to be where you can't even function, you can't even operate, two years later, shows a problem. What problem? It shows they had a place in your heart that only God is supposed to have. If God's got enough of your heart, if God's got enough of a place in you, then if Fuzzy and Spot and everybody is gone, oh, you might feel it, you might shed some tears, but you're going to make it. I said, you're going to make it, and you're not just going to survive. You're going to thrive 
you're going to soar. You're going to continue to come up. Why? Because God is everything. Jesus is everything. How many know he is a father to the fatherless? Come on. He's a husband to the widow. Come on. He's everything. The comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can fill up that place inside you. And he can fill it up. But you help yourself ahead of time if you don't say such things about you couldn't make it if so and so. Because how many believe in God to live a long time? You're going to go to a lot of funerals. If you live a long time, you're going to outlive a lot of other people. You're going to go to a lot of funerals. And it is natural. It is part of this life. And if you're a believer, and especially if they're a believer, you are not to sorrow like those who have no hope. And you are not to let the grief of this world come in. It's all right to shed a tear. It's all right to miss somebody. It is not all right to be incapacitated. Because what happened when they left? Especially believers I'm talking about now. What happened when they left? What happened? What happened? They stepped out of their body. There it is laying on the ground. And they went, wow. That's over. And then they said, I feel good. <laughs> and, and their angel is there. He said, uh, you ready? Uh, yeah. You want to see some stuff? How about I take you by the Milky Way? Oh, yeah. Show me everything. <laughs> Show me. How many know Jesus said, in my father's house are many condos? Many efficiencies. No. Many mansions. If it wasn't so, I'd have told you. He said, I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back and get you. You're going to be where I am. Glory to God. So we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. We know what's going on. We know every one of us is a heartbeat away, a breath away from being out of here. And if you live another 50 years, it's nothing. It's going to come. It's going to go like a flash. And we're out of here. Yes, sir. So don't be shocked when it happens. It's part of life. Luke 16, are you there? I don't want to stay down here forever. There comes a point where you've done your tour of duty. You've run your race. You finished your course. You get to be promoted. You get to get out of here. It's a glorious thing for a believer. Wonderful thing. Luke 16, 10. I want to be clear on this now. Is your biggest problem that you can't catch a break? That you need somebody? To help you out. Some other give you a chance. Hmm? Is that what you need? No, tell me what you need. You need faith in God. You need to believe He sees everything. He knows everything. He loves you. He's got your best interest at heart. He wants to promote you. He wants to fulfill your dreams and exceed them. 
He's got a plan for you that's more amazing than you've dreamed. You've got to believe it. And you've got to believe if he knows about it, no need you looking to other folks. Trying to convince them or talk to them in anything. He is more important than anybody else. Why bug them when you can go straight to the top? You can go to their boss. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story. Y'all got time, don't you? I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, ain't too much else happening right now, so just. It ain't nothing no better than church. I was up in the Northeast at a place, and I told uh, the young man that was traveling with me, we, got, we landed up there, we got out. And I told him, I said, I don't really know exactly why we're here. It was a small work. It was way off in a corner. And uh, I didn't know the people. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I don't know exactly why I'm here. But I know the Lord told me to come. I just follow orders. Amen. That's right. And so uh, we were there. We had a good meeting. Good people got healed. Good things happened. And we're getting ready to go. And this man, the pastor, caught me off to the side. He said, uh, I want to tell you something. And he said, this is an answer to prayer for me for you to come. I said, well, it's a privilege. Thank you for having me. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, uh, I, for years, had known this man, this fellow minister. There had been a little bit of a rift between us. He's also in town. And I thought it was entirely his fault. And I thought, well, if he ever wants to make it right, I, I would. But, you know, I didn't cause it and I don't know how to fix it. And he said in prayer one day, the Lord told him, you go to him. You go to him and you make this thing right. And he said, Lord, I, what do I do? He said, you trust me. You just go and follow me. So he did. He called the man made an appointment. He went over there. He said, brother, you know, I want to apologize for anything I said and did wrong. And, and they just had a great time. I mean, the other brother said, well, I've been thinking about you. And, and man, they got together and they fixed everything. And he said, well, I want you to come over to my church. He said, well, I want you to come to mine. And, and they really had been close friends and, and it was all gone and fixed. Glory to God. He said, uh, as he was walking out in the parking lot, to get in his car, he said, the Lord spoke to him. Not an audible voice, but inside. He said, uh, thank you for doing that. He said, uh, Lord, you're welcome. I'm thrilled you told me to do it. And he said, the Lord said, do you want anything? And he said, just popped out. He said, yeah, I want Keith Moore to come to my church. <laughs> And uh, he said, the Lord spoke to him fine. And uh, man, it wasn't six months. I'm preaching in his church. I, you know, I got a lot of invitations. And I went right there. And uh, I, I looked at him. I laughed. I said, you went over my head. <laughs> you didn't even mess with me. You just went straight to the big boss. <laughs> smart man. Smart man. <laughs> Yes, he did. Oh, how many know you don't have to mess with other people? Go straight to the top. Go to the boss. That's it. That's it. You don't have to pull on them. Go straight 
to the top, the boss, the man, the master. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Luke 16, are you there? Luke 16, 10. Now, what do you need to get promoted? What do you need? You don't need a break. You don't need a man or woman to help you out. What do you need? You need to have faith in God. And you need to be faithful. Give him a right to promote you. How many understand if he does something for you that he's not doing for everybody else, he has to be fair. Right? He can't just do it because he thinks you're pretty. And he's no respect of persons. And he is completely fair. That's one thing he won't do. No matter how much he loves you, he won't pervert justice for you, me, nobody. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. His righteous judgments are perfect. Aren't they? And there are people down here in their ignorance, shake their fist and go, Why, God? Why? Why? It's not fair. It's not right. But the Bible said in time to come, Yea, let God be true and every man a liar that you may be justified when you are judged. When God is just, yes, people judge God on a regular basis, saying he's unfair, saying he's not right. But how many know in time to come when things are revealed and they're shown to be what they really are, every mouth will be stopped. And everybody will see and know God was fair. He was perfectly just and fair. So if he's going to promote you, bless you, Pay off your house in six months when it takes everybody else 30 years. Hmm? Give you favor with people. And they just do stuff for you that they don't do for other people. If he's going to do that, he's got to be fair. What gives him a right to do it? That you are faithful in what he tells you to do. And if you are faithful in the small thing when other people are not, he has a perfect right to do it for you, to promote you when they're not. They can say what they want to, but he's fair. 16.10, he that is faithful in what? That which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? See, we're learning valuable spiritual lessons, learning how to be led with our 20s and our 50s and our 100s and our 1000s. People try to act like, oh, no, that's just money, that's material stuff. No, no, he says it this way. If you can't be faithful with natural money and stuff, who's going to let you handle the really important stuff? That's how it is. And verse 12, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And so when people are saying, I need a break, I need somebody to help me, I need somebody to take a chance on me, give me an opportunity, that's what they're saying. They want their own. They want their own life. They want their own business. They want their own house. They want their own cars. They want their own stuff. They want their freedom. They want their independence. They want their own. 
Who should you be looking to to give you your own? Not men. God. On what basis will he do it? Faithfulness and you being faithful with somebody else's. The Lord allowed Phyllis, my wife, and myself to serve with Brother Kenneth Hagin and Miss Aretha for 20-some years. One of the greatest privileges in life. And the Lord helped us to understand what was going on when we first began. One of the first times we were over at their house, Brother Hagin had Phyllis peeling some tomatoes. Now, we're from the south, just next door, Mississippi. We know about tomatoes. Seen a lot of tomatoes. Picked a lot of tomatoes. Peeled a lot of tomatoes. And he walks in. He says, what are you doing? No, 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 no. That's not right. And he throwed that one away. Is this not how you peel a tomato? (laughs) Now listen carefully. How do you get promoted? How do you get your own? Faithful in that which is another man's. Now she could have said, well now, I reckon I've peeled a few tomatoes in my time. (laughs) She could have had her little say and did her little deal, but she would have been missing one huge point. This ain't your tomato. (laughs) It's your house. Peel your tomato ever how you want to. This ain't your house. This ain't your tomato. If you're going to be faithful in that which is another man's, you have to care for it the way they want you to care for it. It's not yours. So we got all kind of people. In church, in ministry, and they got their feelings on their sleeve, and they stay miffed and offended and upset half the time. Well, you just try to micromanage everything. If you just turn me loose and let me do my job and let my gift come out. You are not promotion material. You are unfaithful. You got to do it your way. It's got to be turned over to you. You've got to take it and do it your way. You'll not be promoted. Selah. <laughs> Sit out loud. Tell your neighbor, actually, look at them, see how they take it. Say, it ain't your tomato. You know what she said? She laid her knife down. She said, I'm sorry. Please show me. She's canned lots of tomatoes. She's peeled Mississippi, okay? But it ain't your tomato. She said, I'm sorry. Please show me. He showed her. And for years and years, she peeled tomatoes for Brother Hagin and other things too. And and after serving for some 20 years, about two years in the end of that, the Lord began to speak to us. He says, I'm giving you your own. 
We started the church, opened the doors. We had 600 people for Sunday service. Instant church. Millions came in. We started in a 2,000-seat facility. That's where we started. The people asked us, they said, uh, how big is your congregation right now? We said, well, right now, nobody. <laughs> they thought we were wasting their time. <laughs> the Lord said, I'm giving you your own. I'm giving you your own. Back when, oh, 15 plus years prior to that time, we'd only been helping them maybe three or four years. Internationally known minister, if I called their name, you'd know them. Called me out. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. They called me out. They said, you're supposed to have your own ministry. And they went and said some things about it. I knew in my heart it was right. I knew it was right. So we served another 15 years helping them. Why? Wasn't time. Just because you have a call doesn't mean you're able to stand in that call now. you got to be trained. And if somebody is gracious enough to let you serve and make you a steward of some of what is theirs, you ought to have the respect to do it their way because it's not yours. It's theirs. Oh, come on. Are y'all with me tonight? Now, this is so important. And you don't just assume you know how they want it done. You've got to ask them. I don't care if you've been working in that field 25 years. You don't know how they want it done. So you have to ask. You have to find out why it's not yours. And if you'll be faithful in that which is another man's without begging Without pulling, without pleading, without pressuring, there will come a time God will give you your own. And when the blessing of the Lord comes, it maketh rich. And there's no sorrow. There's no negative. There's no burden. There's nothing negative with it. It's just all blessing. It's all blessing. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.